Welcome back to the About Our Father's Business podcast, where we hear stories of life, business, and most importantly, the transforming power of the gospel. Today's guest is the president of the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce. She is a former executive for a Fortune 200 publicly traded oil and gas company. Let's get to know more about Crystal Parker. Crystal, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're going to get straight into it. How did you become a Christian? How did you come to your faith in Christ? Well, I would say early beginnings. Uh, my family had me in church every single Sunday. We got the 10-year perfect attendance award in our little church. So think about that. 10 years, 52 weeks, 520 church sessions. Uh, we would leave that little church and go on about our lives and do everything the way that we were going to do it, whether we were churched or unchurched. So that was really my early experience with God. And I'm so thankful that my parents were so uh, strict about us attending church because foundationally there was a lot of cornerstones, a lot of good biblical knowledge that was placed, but most of it was here in my head. I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ and even know what it meant to be in prayer, to abide in the Holy Spirit. Like I didn't know any of that. It was just a simple go to church that makes me a Christian. Um, so, you know, failed marriages and and a lot of mistakes and, and hard path um, got me to the point where truly gravity works. Uh, fell to my knees and invited God into my life full time, not just uh, one hour a week um, at the church. And, you know, once I gave my life to Christ and truly accepted him as my Lord and Savior, uh, I just got to experience the living water of Jesus Christ. And all of those things that um, had, you know, the brokenness and the the hurts and everything that I piled on myself through the years uh, just went away with with that decision to truly accept God. And so I would say, you know, that, and that was my early 40s is when that happened. And I just think back to like, wow, how easy my life could have been if I would have really uh, accepted that full relationship. But I'm thankful that I do have those cornerstones because once I accepted Christ into my life, I just couldn't get enough of the teaching of the Lord. All those Bible stories and all of those words in the Bible that used to just kind of make me go to sleep that I didn't really understand, like the Spirit of God just brought them to life. And so I was so thirsty and so hungry to learn more and hear more and um, so that's really kind of my story and how I came to know the Lord. Mm. Whenever I uh, start thinking, or at least asking, well, I just wish that um, this happened a different way earlier on because things would have been easier, right? Or I just wish I, you know, gave my life fully in full commitment earlier. But then I always have to remind myself, it's a good thing that God's in control, and God has a plan, because that's part of the plan, right? God's providential control, uh, he has that in his hands, right? And if we were meant to be saved earlier, then that would have happened. <laughs> so that is what, so true. What, what led you, uh, was there anything that led you to, to your knees? Absolutely. You don't have to get too personal, yeah, but whatever you absolutely. Like to share uh, it, it's a it's a vivid memory for me. Um so, you know, corporate 
life, background, oil and gas, very successful in business. Um, and unfortunately, you know, if you don't have a full relationship with the Lord, my priorities were completely out of whack. It was corporate crystal and it was all about success and titles and big houses and nice cars. And, and so, and sadly I was, you know, calling myself a Christian and thinking that I was, and I was so focused on my career that, you know, my marriage just fell apart. So you know, relationship number one, marriage number one, gone. I mean, there was no fruit of being a Christian around my tree. You know, that's what they say is like, the fruit will be there, right? And there was no fruit. And so, you know, I left corporate America, um, started my own company and quickly got married again, Uh, again, because I just didn't really have that relationship with Christ or no what that meant. And so sadly went through a second divorce. Now, if that doesn't get you to a point where you're going like, I am striking out in life, totally striking out in life. Um, I'll never forget Windermere, Florida, very affluent area in in, uh, Orlando area, sitting in a 5,000 square foot house with five bathrooms And my life is in shambles. At this point, you're going, well, people from the outside in, we go, you know, you've got a nice house, you've got this, you've got that. And the reality was it was so empty. It was so lonely. It was so broken that it was at that point that all of the the lies that the world tells you are the things that the, the world makes you think, oh, take this little pill or do this little thing or try this, you know, seance or whatever it is. It's all a lie. And so I think I had gone through the whole list of everything that the world says is, is going to make you feel well. And I just, all of that teaching that I set through for this 520 weeks of church came to me and I just bent my knees and just asked God to come into my life. And in immediately it was different. It was absolutely different. Mm. Can you dive a little deeper into what you said earlier with fruit? What does that mean? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the fruit, um, well, you know, he tells us in, in the word that, you know, he is, the vine and we we are the branch and he is the vine and if we remain in him then that's what we're supposed to do and and he talks about in that passage and I'm not going to be able to quote it for you but basically he says you know that the branch that that falls away from the vine it doesn't have any water or sustenance to keep it alive and it becomes firewood it's dead wood and that's what happens when we're separate and apart from christ but when we're in him when we remain in him in the vine then we can have the fruit right our there's a fragrance about people that are living with the lord and there's a fruit so i always tell my daughter that the fruit is is definitely an indicator of the root and what I mean by that is if it is, you know, you got to look around people's lives and not to judge by any sort of the, the imagination. It's not about judgment. It's just about saying, what's the fruit around your situation? So like for me in corporate, people would have said, oh, big house, big title, you know, a big bank account, lots of good stuff. But then you look at my personal life. And my personal life was in shambles. So that was the fruit. So there was the fruit was indicative of the root that was not in the vine, which is the Holy Spirit. So remain in him and everything else will be given to you according to his will and purpose for your life. And one thing you don't want to be is dead wood 
and thrown into the fire. And so that's mm-hmm. where I was headed. And that's that day. And I just remember going, okay, I surrender it all. I needed to get into the vine to the Christ. Mm. So after that happened, what did your life look like after that? Did anything change? Everything changed. Um, everything changed. You know, church was, again, just the, it just, it, it came alive to me. And it wasn't just about church on Sunday. It was, here's my Monday pastor. Here's my Tuesday pastor. It was just podcast, word of God. I just needed to hear more. I wanted more. And it was relationally, it wasn't the same like, okay, well, I'm here, I'm single, I'm this, I'm that. It wasn't like that. It was like, okay, I'm just going to take this time to get closer to God, become a better mother. Um, I remember going to, somebody suggested I go to the Christian chamber. Most of my warm market for my business was in the Midwest. And here I am living in Orlando. And so I had some great time with my daughter and said, you know, well, we're here. Most of our family's still in Kansas. Do we want to leave or do we want to stick around? We both agreed that we wanted to stay in Florida. We love Florida. And so it was like, okay, well, if we're going to be here and I'm going to do business here, I'm not going to be an absent parent again. I'm not going to put career over family. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get on an airplane every single week to go make money and be successful. I'm going to have to figure out here so I can be a mom to my daughter. And so that was a big difference. Like the old me was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? How am I going to? And, and it wasn't even about that. It was like, how can I be the best mom? How can I be the best person in her life? And so somebody suggested that I uh, reach out to the president of the Christian Chamber of Commerce in Orlando. And I'd never even heard of such a thing. And I'd even been on a board for El Paso Chamber of Commerce and, and other things, but I never heard of a Christian chamber. But I thought it was a great idea, especially since I was just on fire for the Lord. And I recognized that I can't do business as one person and then be another person at home and another person at church. Like I just wanted to Mm. be fully present and fully myself. And so that was something that changed for me significantly because in oil and gas and a publicly traded company, you don't really talk about God. And there wasn't really any sort of combination or integration of faith and work. So huge change. Mm. So uh, you went from basically in the gas industry, and then all of a sudden now you are the president of the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce. Uh, How did that happen? (laughs) Do you want to dive a little deeper to that? Sure. So I go to meet with the Christian Chamber president, um, and we had a wonderful conversation. He gets in his car from our meeting, which was scheduled for an hour, ended up being two hours. He gets in his car, he calls his wife, and he said, God said, she's the one like, and and he didn't tell me that. What I didn't know was that for five years, he had been wanting to retire from Central Florida Christian Chamber. And he even announced to the chamber that he was retiring. And he said, as clear as day, I heard the Lord say, who told you that you could retire? So he was reluctantly hanging on, looking for who was supposed to take uh, that president's role. Well, bless his heart, I was still, God was still working on me. And that's what's so funny about it is if I would have got in line a lot sooner, I could have relieved him of his duties sooner. (laughs) Um, So he tells his wife that God said she's the one and didn't tell me right away. I joined as a member for several months 
And then he let me know that he felt like I was supposed to take over the Christian chamber and become the president of the Central Florida Christian Chamber. And that was uh, just an incredible time. And so I became the president of the Christian Chamber in Central Florida two months after COVID. So, you know, God's great sense of humor. I never ran a chamber before. I was mostly business. This was completely outside of my wheelhouse, but I was being obedient to what I felt like God was calling me to do. And so I said, yes, here I said, yes. And then COVID happened after I said yes, because, you know, I probably wouldn't have said yes if I would have known that COVID was coming down the pipe. So I became the president <laughs> <laughs> and it was really great. It was God's perfect timing and his uh, vision for what he was trying to call forth with the Christian chamber in central Florida. And it really opened people up to saying, let's find a new way to connect. And when we opened up virtually to connect and started doing a lot of grassroots marketing and stuff, we started having people from outside of central Florida reaching out to us and saying, can we join your community can you help us launch a Christian chamber in Alaska? Can you help us strengthen our Christian chamber in Las Vegas? And I remember thinking to myself, well, who's supposed to help these people? Like, you know, I mean, who who is supposed to help? And so now I'm kind of researching what's what is this chamber world? And I see there's a U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Well, we all know that many of those individuals don't have our same values um, at that level. And so I'm thinking, well, they're not going to help Christian chambers of commerce. And uh, long story short, 20 years ago, when the little lady filed and registered the entity in Central Florida, she filed it as the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce. Only God writes this story. And this group of people put it underground and started doing business as Central Florida Christian Chamber, like a DBA or a fictional business mm -hmm. name to serve the community. But for 20 years, the people uh, that were a part of it, the former president and board, they kept that U.S. Christian Chamber. They bought the URL. They kept the name. They kept the entity active and alive saying, we don't know what we're supposed to do with it, but we believe God wants to do something with this. So here I come. God's dropping all of these seeds for me, showing me that this is who we are, what we're supposed to be doing, how we're supposed to serve our nation. Um, look at where we are today in our nation. Look what's happening to Christians. And just trying to operate with a biblical worldview is very difficult in these times, in these economic times. And so giving Christian business owners an alternative to what's in this world is more prevalent now than it's ever been, even 20 years ago. So it was God's perfect timing, his anointing over my business career, my life, and I, what I believe is is the right time for our nation. So I'm running Central Florida. We get that whisper that we're supposed to fully launch the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, and uh, and we did it. Wow! What is it? What is it about? What do you guys do? So we do a couple of different things um, on the local level in the communities, the Christian Chambers of Commerce in the communities. We just give businesses a place to come and be their whole self. We strengthen Christian business. Sometimes people are kind of straddling the fence. Like I serve secular clients, but I don't know, can I talk about God? What can I do? You know, so can I post something in my business like what you have and, and mm -hmm. fully declaring God um, in your business? And 
people don't know that they can do that or if they can't do that. So we really want to call them into that and just encourage them to fully integrate, not be right brain, left brain, Christian here and not Christian here. Um, So Mm -hmm. really using their businesses as advancement tools for the kingdom of God. Um, If you look at statistically, the unchurched is in the marketplace. The unchurched is not in church. So how are we going to reach the unchurched? Well, we as business owners have 840 times more opportunities to reach the unchurched than a pastor on Sundays. So it's our job to use our businesses as opportunities to reach people for the kingdom. That's number one. Number two is our job in the Christian Chambers of Commerce is to strengthen Christian businesses. How do we do that? We create kingdom commerce. We are intentional about how we do business together. If I knew that your your business and organization was a Christian-owned business, and then there's somebody else over here that is not Christian-owned, why wouldn't I go to the Christian business? Because I know when I do business with you that you have the same values as I do. So I know that you're not going to take the money that I bring to your business and go and use that for organizations and candidates and people that are in direct opposition of our beliefs. So in essence, we, through our ignorance, have been funding these attacks on our families, our identities, and our nation, and our values, because we're feeding them because we don't know who are the Christian businesses. So we're calling out Christian businesses. We're strengthening them through kingdom commerce. And then the last and the most important thing is we're to advance the kingdom of God. And by doing that and strengthening Christian businesses, we're transforming our cities. Um, The West Ohio Christian Chamber of Commerce started because Pastor Roz and his wife, Heather, they have a very successful thrift store. And they have been members of their chambers of commerce for a number of years. They're Christians. And he went to the directory for their chamber of commerce and looked right next to his business was Adam and Eve's sex shop. And he said, oh, this is right next to my business. So he calls to the chamber and says, well, what's going on with this business? I see you guys did a ribbon cutting. I see you did media and marketing to help support them. Are these the kinds of businesses we want in our community, in our in our cities? Is this who we're supporting with our dollars for membership? And they said, well, we can't, you know, whoever the business is, if they pay, this is how we, this is how mm-hmm. we do it. And he said, well, not in my town, not in my city. And so he started a Christian Chamber of Commerce. Now they're well over 80 members. It hasn't even been a full year. And they're really active in seven counties in Lima, Ohio, and and several other areas out there. And so, you know, these are some of the reasons that Christian Chambers of Commerce need to be around in, in a freedom economy, in a parallel economy. We've got to give believers an alternative to what's in this world because when, not if, but when they get canceled because they're loud and and um, outward about their faith and their beliefs and no more silence about that, then uh, we need to provide safety in numbers and insulation for, hey, if I got canceled, my merchant service canceled me. We hear about banks canceling people all the time. Well, who's a good Christian bank? Who's a good Christian merchant services? Mm. Who's a good Christian plumber? Where can I find these people? Where are my people? And so a Christian chamber really helps to solve that problem. Wow. That's great. I mean, that's you described a lot of why I even started this podcast. Really? 
those in the workplace Amen. and let them know that they're not alone. Yes. There's other Christians right next to them. They didn't realize. Also, to give people a platform, to all the guests that come on, the goal is I give you a platform to share your testimony. So then you can easily share that video with your coworker, your friend, or whoever. And now you can you don't have to go through that awkward awkwardness of saying it to them directly. And it probably is a little bit easier to listen to if it's from video as opposed to face to face. So that's that's one of the big reasons Amazing. why I started this. Yeah. So why did you write the book called The Best <laughs> Robot Wins? Which I see a couple right behind you. Yay, there they are. Uh, well, I wrote the book because I had a publisher that reached out to me and said, hey, we need a book. We want a female executive and a Christian. And it's like, okay, you just described me. So how long do I have to write it? And he said, three months. We need it in three months. And at that Who's time- the publisher? Uh, the publisher, they have a couple of different arms, but Inspire Publishing. Oh. And, um, and so anyway, and so the answer was yes and amen, right? When God gives you an opportunity like that, no matter what it, you know, it was yes and amen. I'd been wanting to write a book. And so really what the book's about is the best robot wins. It ain't personal. It's just business. And I know that's cringy. People get all cringy when I say that, uh, it ain't personal. It's just business. But at the end of the day, there is a balance, right? Between running a business and, um, and, you know, having your feelings and emotions get the best part of you. So this book, amazingly, um, I wrote it two and a half years ago. It talks a lot about the AI, uh, the robot revolution, and uh, really preparing people for what's happening today, actually, with, uh, with technology. There's really no disaggregate in how we're treating the human workers and how we treat the robots that work for us. And we all have them. If you've ever said, hey, Siri or Alexa, and how many times do we say thank you? <laughs> well, we don't. We're, we're, it's conditioning us to get away from just, just politeness and kindness um, in the workplace. And so what I did in this book was I really used um, the parable of the seed sower to help lay out how business owners can set up their business to maximize the value of their human worker. The greatest competitive advantage in any company is their ability to tap into the power, the creative spirit of the human worker. And what we do as business owners, unfortunately, is we stifle that. We stifle it in a number of ways. And so there's a way that the Lord just kind of like created this map for me on the seed sower in how people can set up the organization to improve communication, to improve employee engagement, and to simplify the workflow so that the humans that are there are filled with purpose and an understanding of why they're there. They're excited about the work they get to do, and they become the competitive advantage. And I always think of it like this. Everybody's got a chicken sandwich, but for some reason, that chicken from, from uh, Chick-fil-A just tastes a lot better, Right. Well, there is a reason for that. It's in service. It's in their their ability to serve their customers well, and it all comes from their employees. And it's so neat to think about how just that little statement of my pleasure is like yeah. Chick-fil-A. And, and that really is what it's about is the competitive advantage coming from the human workers in your organization. Mm. 
What uh, you mentioned, I saw this on a on a website. I think what is the twenty point predictive system? Yeah, so twenty point predictive system is really something went wrong. Oh, it's because I called her earlier and she was listening. <laughs> that's the whole time. that's hilarious. Perfect timing for this episode. I mean, it goes right into what you were talking about. So they're all thought, you didn't do that on purpose. I thought you did that on purpose just to kind of add <laughs> to what you were saying. <laughs> I promise I didn't. They're always listening. Oh, that's great. (laughs) I knew I should have spelled that name. Um, Anyway, okay, so the the predictive system is this. So businesses, just like with what I'm talking about in my book, if you have your business running in its maximum peak performance, think about your car. You take your car, you're having problems with your car, and you go and you hook it up to a machine, and they diagnose what's wrong with the car, and they quickly fix that. Well, I just put a system in place so that I can look at a business kind of under the hood and say, okay, check this, check this, check, check. And if there's these things are checked and that one's not, then there's an opportunity for you to improve your service, reduce your overhead, and um, really increase your, your customer growth. And so typically it's pretty much falls into a pattern. Every business is different, but all businesses are the same. And yeah. I love to say business is my sport. I work at it. I love it. It's fun to me. Um, but yeah, really, they're pretty much predictive businesses are. No matter if it's nonprofit, for-profit, large business, small business, it's still business. And it ain't personal. It's just business. <laughs> mm. what, is, uh, what do you think the most common thing that is underperforming or breaks in a company that's causing that engine to not perform at a high level? Yep. So I think one of the biggest and most common thing, and it's got the most pages in my book, is communication, uh, hands down. It's so funny because, you know, a lot of that communication, and and so I'm a Kansas girl, okay? So let's get this right. So you'll appreciate this being a Kansas guy. So when I wrote this, I'm probably the only person in the world that put like a recirculating pump and, and picture of like a harvest. But so when I think of communication, I think of it in corporate it's typically top down and it pushes to the very bottom of the the ladder, the food chain, if you will, in the, in the company, the pyramid. And so I thought about when I was thinking about this and I'm visual, I was thinking about in Kansas in the, in the fields, how it used to be when they would irrigate the fields, they had that central source of water. It's different now, but they had a central source of water and it would push the water out to the ends of the crop. And the plants at the end of the crop would always die because they there was never enough water to get to the ends, okay? So how I like to think of communication is more of a recirculation pump. So it's always circulating around. It's not about top-down communication. What happens in companies is the decisions, the policies, the rules are all made from the ivory tower, and they're so out of uh, what's actually happening on the front lines of an organization. Mm. And the employees are the ones having to put up with your silly policies and your stinking rules, and they're having to sell it to a customer. They don't believe in it. They don't understand it, but they just have to follow the rules or they're going to get disciplined and in trouble and down a path of termination. And so here we go. We have this just complete um, misinformation that's happening because it's all going from top to bottom. So if we can teach um, organizations how to communicate 
all around so that the the top of the organization is hearing from those that are on the front lines, the customer facing employees, what they need to do their job. I always used to tell people when I was in corporate was with my employees, my direct employees, directors, I would say, listen, you don't work for me. You're not in these positions to come in because you're slacking and I have to manage you and all that. If anything, I work for you. I'm here to help you so that you can get the things, the tools, the resources you need to be successful in your job. And for some reason, somewhere along the line, we got it wrong in people thinking I worked up instead of up works down. And if everybody's working together um, and communicating well, it can change the dynamic of an organization. Mm, I love that. It's funny that you mentioned that I'm a Kansas person, which I am. I was born and raised in Kansas City. But I feel cheated because I never had the country experience. I've never been on a field. The irrigation example, I can I can see it conceptually in my mind, but I've I don't I've never seen it in person. Oh, that's <laughs> kind of a Kansas City boy. <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna be the first one ever to see this, okay? I've never shown this before, but I have to. You'll appreciate it. Here I am with my grand champion. Let's see if I can get it to you. My grand wow. champion egg. So yeah, when I say Kansas girl, I mean you right are here at heart. You're the model. This is what everybody <laughs> thinks about when I tell them I'm from Kansas City. So they're already thinking of like what you grew up in. I mean, I'm like, no, I, I have no idea about any of that. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, that, that that's great. You know, I I am in full agreement with what you said. That's something that I'm constantly having to improve on with myself uh, in the leadership role in my company is communication piece. Mm-hmm. And Sam Walton was known for being uh, in the stores all the mm-hmm. time. So then when he, first off, he, he he could take a pulse of the business instantly. And second, he can hear the most important person talk, which right. is the customer. And yes. then third, the third is that uh, the, any of the policies are made based on real life, not some idea that was made right. from theory, right? Correct. So I'm in, I'm in full agreement with that. And I think that's, that is such a, I think an easy fix if you focus on it, mm-hmm. you know, just focusing on clear communication. Uh, one of the things that I'm trying to remind myself of is I'm the CRO as well as the CEO, which is a chief reminding officer <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that communication piece. That's so yeah. good because I, you know, I've had people I've been working with and they say, you know, I send an email and I don't know why people are still doing it. And it's like, well, one email, one method, one medium is not going to communicate the message. I mean, as yeah. far as what you I like that chief repeating officer is it's, it is so important to remind people about the mission, remind people about why they're doing what they're doing. Yes. And to say it in many different ways, because there's so many mediums in communication that come from experiences. And unfortunately, these were not crops that we grew. These are human beings that had real life Mm. experiences and past jobs and situations. And so they're coming at, you might say, good job today to one person and they hear great things. And the other person may just like turn in and turn into like a, a blubbering mess if you say good job, because everybody has different experiences and so you've got to say it over and over again. I like that you said mm, that. Keep repeating yeah. officer. That's a good one. Uh, you can email, you can text, you can 
call uh, face-to-face, though, it always gives the, the best result. Even And it's so unnatural for me because I'm impatient. <laughs> and talking face-to-face takes some time. <laughs> but as I get older, I'm realizing it's worth the time every time. Uh, mm, so when you were, you, when you were at the gas company, I'm guessing you were managing some men. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have any, um, did you encounter any challenges with, in that role with being a, a a lady who's managing men? Yes, I did. I encountered a lot of them. And, uh, one of them that kind of sticks out in my mind was early in my career. So I would have been about 20. So I started stocking shelves in a truck part store as a temp employee in a subsidiary of one of the oil and gas companies. So one of the the oil and gas company decided they were going to do a one-year trial on a truck parts store to work on the compressors and work on the trucks and see if it worked out. And so they needed someone to stock the shelves. And I had just dropped out of college with 21 hours left because KU is so fun. Um, So I dropped (laughs) out of college. I go all the way back to Moscow, Kansas. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do? So I knew I had to do something. So I I did this temp job and I get in there and uh, I heard that the the owners were coming out. These managers were going to come out and they were going to look for somebody to be the secretary and do the books. And so I worked all night on secretary stuff with my mom and tried for the job, got it, stayed for the year, but they decided that the the business wasn't going to work out as it relates to being part of the gas infrastructure too far outside of their lane. So they let that go, but they had a secretary position in an office in Liberal, which is about 30 minutes away. So at this point now as a secretary, I'm the only woman in the organization, all the rest were men. And now we're on the transportation side of the gas company. So I did that. Then I started taking on books and some other things. So I'm front desk and taking on books and really um, starting to grow. Bought my first house for like $40,000 and really excited about what was going on. And I wanted to grow and do more and have more opportunity. So I went to the manager And I said to him, I said, you know, I'd really like an opportunity to see what kind of growth or career path I might have here, which, you know, you would think is a pretty logical question, right? Somebody that's been with you and has done a good job. And he didn't mean it to be mean. He just couldn't see a path for me. Um, He says, well, um, you're probably going to have to move to Kansas City to take one of the office jobs there. Like he just, even though there were supervisors and other positions, he just couldn't see the path for me. And so I, at the time, I hadn't really been, uh, I hadn't really experienced too many of those labyrinth walls, you know, running into the maze. So I just packed up and went to Kansas City, got an opportunity there. Um, you know, but there were many, many times that, you know, as I grew in my career that I was discounted. So fast forward in 12 short years, uh, I became the youngest officer in this Fortune 200 oil and gas company. And uh, my first assignment as an officer was I was running the full uh, gas distribution company in 47 cities on the west side of Texas, plus all of customer service for Texas. And so in essence, 
um, I became the executive overseeing construction, PCM, engineering, I mean, service, you name it, all of that, which he said, you know, you just need to go get an office job somewhere else. So there, there's been many closed doors and things. And I think oftentimes those doors that closed, closed for a reason. And they made me stronger and prepared me for the next job, the next opportunity. But yeah, we could definitely trade some stories for sure. Wow. So you were told no. So instead of letting that defeat you or blaming external forces, people, et cetera, you mm-hmm. said, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. I'm they obviously put you in that position for a reason. I mean, if, if you went from, you literally went from bookkeeping to officer. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yes. <laughs> that's, yes. Inc- that's incredible. Yeah. Bookkeeping, yeah. From bookkeeping to officer in 12 years. Um, it, and it, like I said, it was a Fortune 199 company. So it's a big one. Um, there was 60 officers and there was, I was the fifth woman officer. And uh, there was a guy that beelined to me when I became officer. He was also a coming up officer when in Southwest Kansas, when I was out there. And I remember one day um, it was kind of a, we were all going to the door and he kind of rushed ahead of me to get the door to open it for me, which was nice, right? Like I appreciate when men open the door for me. I appreciate that so much, but in that environment, when you're the only female, it's like, don't call attention to me. And so I just kind of knocked his hand out of the way and not in a rude way, but held the door and said, please go through. Like I can be equal to you as was the statement I was making to him. And so all those years later, so I become officer and the, when they announced me as the officer in that quarterly meeting with the CEO and everybody, he makes a beeline over to me afterwards and he says, I will never forget the day that you've held the door open for me and made me walk through it. But it was little things like that. It was about being bold. It was about being courageous. It was about stepping out where others may not have stepped out to really um, kind of plow that lane. So not taking no for an answer, just taking a different route and just continuing on. And I feel like those lessons have really paid me well and prepared me well for what we're doing, launching the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce in just not taking no for an answer and not stopping because it's hard. This isn't easy work. Even though our nation is in need of a U.S. Christian Chamber, there is a lot of spiritual warfare. There's a lot of challenges that are coming against the work that I'm trying to do. And even as a woman um, doing this type of work, it's, you know, I think it creates some of its own challenges. I mean, when you look at and you study what women that are business owners go through in trying to raise capital and funding, it's different than that of a male. And it's not to say, oh, woe is me and whatever else. It's just statistical information. Um, back to the corporate world, I remember getting promoted to director And when I got promoted to director, I noticed that all of my employees that were men were making 20 plus thousand more than me as director. And um, so instead of getting mad about it, I saw it as an opportunity. I'm like, well, if my direct employees are making this much more than me, I can't wait to see what my next raise is going to be. And I went direct to my boss and said, you know, this is the problem. I mean, they can't make more than me. I'm their boss. So, I mean, these are the <laughs> kinds of things I walk through time and time again in my career. And even now it's, it's, um, it's really prepared me for what I get to do today. Mm. What, what did your manager say when you asked for that raise? 
oh, you know, well, 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 you know, <laughs> like, like they didn't think I was going to know. Uh, well, we, we've got to go through the the process and yeah, we know this is going to be, we're going to put a plan together to get you there. And, you know, I did move up fast in my career, I will say, I mean, 12 years in that environment was kind of a Cinderella story, I guess, you know, it's not, that doesn't happen every day, but the interesting thing is, is a relates to faith is the more power, the more money, the more promotions I got, the more I thought it was me. Like I mm. made smaller, I got bigger and it was like, you know, I just, I thought it was all me. And so that was part of my, um, part of what I'm so passionate about doing what I do today is to help people understand that you might be successful. You might have a lot of really nice things, but you still, God is the reason that you have that. God allowed me to have that success, to have that pay, to prepare me for today. And at the time, I just thought it was just like really cool. And I was doing it all myself. So, you know, they put me on a path. They got me there and beyond uh, in the money. Um, so, yeah, but it was, there was a lot of really funny experiences like that. Mm. It reminds me, and uh, I think it's in Romans, you talk about, Worshiping the creation instead of the creator. Mm. I think we, we we get guilty of that, right? Absolutely. It's me, 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 right? We're the creation. But then we <laughs> quickly forget, like, who created you? <laughs> who made you the way you the way you are, the way I am, right? Uh, driven, work ethic, et cetera, et cetera. And yes. we start to forget who's the source of all this, and that's God Almighty. And we have to keep that in complete and clear focus. Because I think in business... I don't think there's anything wrong with really pushing yourself to further God's kingdom, to get things done, to expand mm -hmm. business, right? Grow business. Because mm -hmm. uh, it's his anyways. And <laughs> I don't think he created us to be lazy. No. I mean, we're here We're here to subdue the earth. Like, that's what he said to Adam and Eve. You got to subdue, Good. which means you got you to gotta work. work it. Correct. If you don't yeah. work it, what happens if you don't, you know, you don't cut your lawn for a while, like, that thing's going to take over your house. <laughs> so we better be working hard to subdue that lawn. <laughs> That's good. Business too. Unfortunately, yeah. we run out of time here. Um, wow. So with your with the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, I'm guessing this is a membership-based uh, kind of model. Yep, How is. can people find out more about what you guys have to offer and maybe even becoming a member? You bet. It's uschristianchamber.com, uschristianchamber.com. Um, all the information's on the website. We are a membership organization. Um, people that don't have a local Christian chamber that want to be a part of the community of believers and those that want to do business on a national level, maybe they have an opportunity to connect with people from all over the U.S. and even the world. This is a great organization to find people just like you. Um, the other part of it is we have a conference coming up in April. I'd love to invite you to come out. I know you're coming to Florida soon to enjoy <laughs> Disney Disney World, mm -hmm. but uh, or Disneyland, but we Disney World, yeah, Disney World, yep, World. Um, mm -hmm. But it would be great to have you guys come out for our conference in April. Um, it's a U.S. Christian Business Expo and Global Conference, and we've got people coming in from all over the world. Uh, that are Christian business owners that are going to come together and just enjoy that collaboration and social capital, but also grow in their business, grow in their faith. And um, and it's really neat to be a part of that and make connections all over the world. Mm, that sounds amazing. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure learning more about your story and uh, everything that you went through. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun to remember some of these things. 